You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Amen. I just wanted us to have just that little bit of a reminder musically to say it's a what? It's a family affair. You would see or we would often play that growing up when we were doing what? Having a family reunion. Amen. We'd also play the OJ's uh, family reunion around that time. But I love that. <clears throat> I love that song because it, it just reminds us that uh, our connectivity uh, is is important and that it's more. It's about more than just us. Amen. <clears throat> and as we've been dealing with this subject of work and how we are to get along at work and how we are to go about our work, I reminded you that there was an individual focus that was important, but I also reminded you that there was a family focus and benefit and also a kingdom benefit. And so now as we turn our attention uh, primarily to the text in First Peter chapter 2, uh, it seemed appropriate to title this particular sermon, It's a Family Affair. <clears throat> Excuse me. And just to, to take a little time to, to, to review, we've, 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 we've spoken here about one way, God's way, and it's within this context that we've explored a series of uh, relationships, amen, husbands and wives and parents and children, pastors and, and church members, and now employers and employees. And we talked about those core roles and those core responses and those core role. A core role is that essential function God has given to someone to fulfill in a particular relationship. Amen. And then the core response is the necessary response God requires of an individual in order to encourage somebody uh, to fulfill their core role. And so for husbands, their core role is servant leadership. For wives, their core role is to help. The core response to a wife's help is praise. The core uh, response to a husband's servant leadership is submission. For parents, their core role is training. Children, your core role is obedience. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The core response to the children's obedience is encouragement, and the core response to the parents' training should be honor. When it comes to pastors, the core role is oversight. Amen. For members, the core role of a member of a, of a church is ministry. Amen. And the core response to the oversight of the pastors is for church members to support. And the core response to that ministry for pastors is fidelity. Amen. Being able to set a good example so that, that it's easy for the church members to follow. For the employers, <clears throat> and just to be reminded again, employers, their, 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 core, their core role is to provide 
opportunity. Amen. It's an opportunity for us to engage, an opportunity for us to earn, an opportunity for us to to grow professionally. And 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 the employees are supposed to provide productivity. Dear God, you're not supposed to go to work and announce that you're not here to do anything today. Amen. That is that is what we will call inappropriate. Amen. The, the exchange is for that opportunity. You're supposed to provide them with uh, the responses, respect. And for your productivity, they are to uh, supply fairness. Amen. And and what I like about what God has outlined in his word is if we do what God has said and what God requires, what God desires from us, it works. Amen. We always get in trouble when we have a better idea of what to do than what God has outlined. Every single time our independence away from what the truth that God has revealed always leads us to disaster. Amen. And it doesn't, I don't think it matters for us how many times we see disaster, how many times it doesn't work out for us. We always think we have a better idea than God. That's how we're hardwired, I think. You know, again, from our, in our sinful nature, we always want to do something different. And it's our job to be able to say, nope, let's, let's, let's look at things from God's perspective because there's only one way to do things, and that one way is God's way. Amen. And so there are problems that you'll see in the workplace and like any other uh, venue, I can assure you that a lot of those problems are spiritual problems. Amen. They're not economic problems. There is a visible world and there's an invisible world. And the things that are happening in the invisible world impact what you see and how you respond in the visible world. Amen. And so this, this particular vineyard, if you will, is really important to God. Why? It's important because you spend, if you are currently employed and you're not retired and you're not, uh, uh, and, and you're on, on, you're on a particular, uh, on a particular job, you spend more time with the people there than you do waking hours than with your own family. Amen. So understand <clears throat> that God designed you to engage in kingdom work at work. Amen. Because otherwise you would be wasting half of your time where you would not be able to build up fruit for the kingdom. You would not be able to advance the kingdom. So you have to realize and I have to realize we have to be reminded constantly that God has given us the vineyard of work. And his expectation is that we will do kingdom work in that vineyard. And that work has purpose and benefit for you and for your family and ultimately for the for the kingdom. Amen. And so we, we said that we need to obey and serve at work. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's the contribution we make. Isn't it interesting that that's what God expects us to do? And absolutely every circle of influence that we find ourselves in, whatever the relationship, whatever uh, the, uh, the vineyard, if you will, God expects us to obey and serve. Amen. Obey and serve who? Him. Amen. Because, and here's the beautiful thing, if we understand this correctly, we can take some comfort in this. We do everything we do 
as unto the Lord, which means that our job, our manager who we're working for never changes, even though the particular vineyard does. Amen. So you don't need to, you don't need to have a bad attitude because you got a bad job. Amen. Amen. You're still doing it as unto the Lord and not unto men. Why? Because he's the one that hands out reward and judgment. He's looking at what we do and that productivity. And with that eternal perspective, he is rewarding and judging us from how, how we maintain our attitude, how we do our jobs, how we interact with the people around us. And so you can't have a bad experience. You can't just decide that you want to be a bad employee because being a bad employee means that you're going to be a bad kingdom person. Amen. And it's not going to be pleasing to God. You can't have that one area of your life where, where things are, you, you got that, that stank attitude. Amen. That you don't want to do anything. So I don't represent God. Not here. Mm -mm. Not these people that are driving me crazy. They don't even realize I'm this close. This close to whooping everybody's on this job. They have no idea. That's not what a kingdom person would say about what? Work. And so for the individual, I said that, that, that we kind of laid out those purposes. It's about sustenance and, and support, and it's about satisfaction, and it's about structure, and it's about service. And so those things were very important. And whether you are, uh, again, Drawing a paycheck from going to work on a daily basis or and I know I'm speaking to those that are just newly there's some that are in our midst that are newly retired some that are retired you still have kingdom work to do you never retire from kingdom work but as we get to <clears throat> as we get to looking at the, the, the family and the 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 impact that this kind of that work has on the family, we, we're kind of really we're, we're grounding our our experience and our encouragement in First Peter chapter First Peter chapter two, and I want to and I want to remind you of a couple of things, and we'll take this in in two parts in the, in the next two weeks. I I thought about trying to to power through all of it, but it's a little longer. And so I'm going to I'm going to split it up for our our benefit. I want you to be able to digest it. Amen. And I don't want to keep you too long. So uh, Annette had her. I think it was her nieces, maybe or her godchildren was with her a couple of weeks ago. And they're like eight, nine years old, something like that. And they said to her during church, when is he going to be quiet? Is he done? And I was like, and they, and they told me that's what they said. Just like, yeah, it's like, we were just wondering, when, when were you going to, you know, just it's almost like we wrap it up. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, but I told him, you know, that's unfortunately, that's what happens at, at church when you appear with the big people. You know, you got you to gotta sit for a half hour, 35 minutes. So in any event, let's, let's just talk a little bit about, again, thinking about the individual. We talk about the individual benefits and the family business. Now, I know this is not the most exciting subject to deal with. I can admit that. But it's, it's a subject that's important, and it's a subject that God is interested in, and so it's a subject that you need to have better information on. Amen. This is not a message I suspect where you'll end up shouting because we're talking about how we, how we need to interact, and this encouragement is hard encouragement because many of us don't like the jobs we have 
the people that are there or the money that we make if we're just being real. Amen. And so to hear more about what you need to do at work may make you want to do this and say, I don't want to listen to this. But every time we move away from what God desires, it ends in disaster for us. So let's understand why we're there. Let's understand what the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul and other passages are, are telling us. One of the, the first things that you need to know about work, and again, it should be no, uh, no mystery to you in the same way that we talked about it being on an individual basis for sustenance. I want to encourage you in a different way when we talk about the family that the, the, the first reason for you to be at work and, and the impact it has on the family is for earnings. It's for earnings. And as much as we uh, look at it, we need to understand this. It's what you are doing for your family today. Amen. You've got consumptive needs today. Amen. We all agree that we have things that we're trying to get done. And we're not talking about necessarily greedy things. We're not talking about balling out necessarily. We're talking about day-to-day basic needs that we need to be able to uh, uh, provide for our families. And so 1 Timothy 5 and 8 says it this way. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, the scripture says he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Again, understand what he isn't that, that's, that's a powerful thing to say. If you're not out grinding, that means that you're, that you're, not, you're, you're not in concert or in sync with what God expects for a believer. It's like, it's, being, it's like being worse than an unbeliever. You've denied the faith. That's worse than being an unbeliever. You've got to go to work because you have consumptive needs for your family. You've got to provide today. Why? Because you have needs today. Those bills not going to get paid by themselves. And some of those bills that you have created, you probably, come on somebody, you probably shouldn't have, but they're here now and they got to get paid. Amen. And so I owe, I owe. So it's off. Come on somebody to work I go. Amen. And so there is an element of it that says if for your family, you have their consumptive needs today. And you kind of look also at, at verse four in that passage. And we've talked about this before. It says, Give proper recognition, verse 3 says, to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. Amen? So again, there is also this, this overlay that, that God is talking about through the Apostle Paul when he says, listen, you need to be able to provide not only for your, your immediate family, but there is a, a former generation, your parents and even your grandparents that may be in need, that you need to be able to address that as well. And why do you need to do that? It's not that you're going to pay the 
you're going to pay them back. Amen. They've already poured into you. Amen. And so that's why that word in the Greek was apodidomai. We talked about that. That's payback. When you talk about paying somebody back something, that means you recognize you owe them. Amen. Hopefully, those of, uh, those of us that are here have the experience where parents and grandparents have poured into us. There is a financial, there's a financial um, uh, investment that they have made in us. And if they truly are in a place where they can't care for themselves, you've got to be able to care for them. They're, care for them. That's why when you talk about what you're doing with your money, you can't absolutely consume everything you get because you need to save and you need to invest because you don't know what else will come up in the world around what you need to do for your parents, your grandparents, let alone your kids. And so that's why it's very important to honor God with our money. I believe there was this pastor, I think his name was Christopher Sally, that, that wrote a book about money, how to think about it, how to use it. You might want to just grab that and figure out the kind of paradigm you need to have in terms of how you will handle your, handle your resources at 0, 10, 20, 30, 40. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I suggest you get the book. But you can't consume absolutely everything you get because you have to also save and invest. That's kind of the second thing. So, again, there is there's an earnings element to it because you have consumptive needs today. But I love what the scripture says. And this is where I want you to I don't say focus, but just be reminded that's really faith in action. Amen. He said, I, I want them to put their religion into practice. He's saying that's faith in action. I don't want to hear you talk about it. I don't want to hear you talk at talk to talk. I want to see you walk the walk. And so if there's somebody that's in your family that is in need, you as a child or a grandchild need to be able to contribute to that. And, and the Apostle Paul's thing is, you know, we want to keep only the widows that are on the list. It's only those that don't have family members that can take care of them. And he says, if that can't be, the, if they don't have anybody, then the church is supposed to step up. And so there's always a provision for God, uh, by God, to take care of God's people. Amen. He says, the church is there to do that. But let's make sure that those that are in their immediate family step up and put their faith into action. They shouldn't be on the list if they got able-bodied folks that are around that can take care of them. Amen. Remember that. That's why you you can't consume absolutely everything you get. Because if you do, you might be in a place where you can't take care and pay back those that have poured into you. It's interesting that we saw a, well, I did anyway. You all didn't see it. The biggest ant I've ever seen in my, in my life that was in this, in this pulpit because it reminds me of the story that many of us remember about the ant and the grasshopper. Do you all remember that story when we were growing up? It was like a little, not a parable, I forget what they called it, a fable. It was about how the ant and the grasshopper, and, and it was like summertime, and the, and, the grass, and the grasshopper was just flitting his time away. The ant was working. The ant was uh the ant was uh, collecting stuff because he knew that winter was coming. The grasshopper didn't care. It was just summer for him. And I remember he had, he had like a little, <laughs> he had like a little fiddle and he was just fiddling and playing around and the ant was just st stacking chips. The ant's just stacking. Then you, you recall the scene happened. So now it's winter time. And that, 
and, and, and the grasshopper is, is, is looking in at the ant, and the ant is sitting there. He got piles of stuff stacked up, and he's nice and warm. The grasshopper is outside with that fiddle, and he got this little coat on, and he's, like, wondering what, you know, I really wish I had something. And the, the moral of the story was you're not going to have anything if you don't invest anything, if you don't grind, if you don't work. You just can't flit all of your time away. I don't know if you realize, but that's right there in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 6. And so it, it says this in verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. It's like, dang, uh, uh, Solomon, what's with the name caller? Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you slugger? When will you get up from your sleep? And this is my a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. He said, just a little sleep, a little slumber. You decide you're going to take, take some time off, and you're not going to grind at work. You're not going to do what you need to do. So a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand. He said, and, 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 and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. It's like you would have been robbed because you've been lazy and not doing what you need to do. So we don't want that to be the case with us. We have to understand that, that it's important for not just, uh, it's important for our earnings because we need to take care of our families. It's a family affair. Amen. And it's not just earnings, of course. There's a, there's a second element to it that I want to remind you of, and it's empowerment. It's empowerment. Earnings is the concern that we have for today. Empowerment is the concern we have for tomorrow. Amen? There is, a, there is an empowerment piece of it, and I'll, and I'll further break that down for us. But again, earnings, of course, is for today because the bills are here today. But there's another piece of it that again we look at in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and in verse 14 the apostle Paul says this now I am ready to visit you for the third time and I not and I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions but you after all children should not have to save for their parents but parents for their children Amen. You said, well, wait a minute. You just said in the other passage that, that the children are supposed to take care uh, of the parents. So which is it? Children take care of parents or parents take care of children? Yes. Yes. This, those things are not mutually exclusive. One is talking about the, the, what needs to happen today. The other is talking about what needs to happen tomorrow. Amen. And that's why it says children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. If you understand that, then you don't consume everything. Then you flip the other piece of it and you say there is an element that says what I earn is for what? It's for savings. Come on, somebody. And investing. Amen. Savings and investment. Investing. Our, our people, I mean, because of the things that have happened to us and, and, and how uh, we've progressed in, in this country, 
we've historically been at a place that when somebody in our family passes away, we are making a collection just to bury them. We like, Big Mama is gone. We need to get this, we need to get this in place, and you're collecting uh, things. But, but there are other folks that have built up what we would call, come on somebody, wealth transfers. Do you know what the best way to get rich is in this country? People would say it's just hard work. It's not. It's inheritance. Inheritance is the best way. Somebody passes away and they leave you something and then when they leave you something you can kind of build on that we might be in the first this might be the first generation particularly of black folks where we might just be in a place where we can start to to see that we've kind of gotten the memo we've kind of gotten our heads up a little bit we kind of understand that we can't just consume absolutely everything we've seen more opportunity now in our lifetimes and we we're starting to save and invest and we might just have something to transfer to the next generation that's important that's part of the responsibility you have at work again we're not talking about your legacy being just a financial transfer don't get me wrong the biggest transfer that you can make is not a wealth transfer but it's a a transfer of godliness it's a transfer of of character it's a transfer of allowing your children to know that there's an eternal perspective that they have to have and that they will build up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't consume and thieves don't break through and steal for where their treasure is there where their hearts be also but there is a practical element that says i need to be in a place where i'm thinking about what what happens in the next generation. And I want to be able to put my children in the best possible place that they can have a start in life or if they decide that they want to take a particular job or have a particular experience or they want to pursue a particular dream, they will have some resources available to do that. And so part of the reason you should be going to work is not just for earnings, it's for empowerment. And it is empowering to be able to have resources available to execute on what you want to do. Amen? That's what makes it empowering. You're able to to execute. And so you don't have to, if your next generation doesn't have to worry so much about student loans because they have money available for college, that's a good thing. I paid that $135.66 for 10 years when I graduated from college. Why do I know the amount? I know the amount because I know the amount. When you cut that check 120 times, $135.66, I borrowed $11,000. Two hundred dollars, I believe. I know, right? That was a long time ago. I went to college. It was over 30, 30 years ago. But I do know this, that that um, there were certain jobs that that I could not even really pursue or opportunities. I, I could not pursue graduating from college as compared to some other of uh, my peers, because for the most part, black folks needed to get the highest paying job they could right away because we had student loans and we had to get that, we had to start paying those right back. In particular, when I, when I graduated college, there were opportunities to, to, to be in the, in, in the stock market as a stockbroker or something like that. And, and those jobs typically went 
to what I saw. They went to people that didn't look like us. Why? It's because at that time, that starting salary was maybe 60% of what, we, what, you, what you really needed to, 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 to graduate. And at my time, if you, if you talk about getting a great starting salary back in 1988, it was like $30,000. If you was doing $30,000, you was, you was doing it. These jobs, these stockbroker jobs, was like $18,000. But it was an opportunity for them to get, uh, to get acquainted with the market, and it was all on commission. I couldn't think about that. I'm like, I can't get no job for no $18,000. I mean, I'm, I got loans. I got this. I got that. And, you know, you're thinking about all of those kinds of things. But the people that were able to take advantage of that were the same people that when they graduated said, what are you getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to move home. What are you getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to go uh, uh, and spend the the, the summer in Europe. I couldn't spend the summer backpacking through Europe. Hey Amen. I didn't even have a backpack, let alone be able to backpack. But this was, it was like a different world. It was a different experience. It's like, yep, and I'll do that and I'll take this job or it's a family job or it's at my company or my dad or my mom wants me to get this experience and then I'm going to go into the family business. That, that was foreign to us, but that's because they've had access to different resources. There's been wealth transfers and things built up that allowed them to be empowered to do different things. Amen. We want that. Come on, black people. We want to be able to provide that kind of opportunity as well. But that's part of what the vision is for you. Grinding like you grind because you want to be able to empower the next generation with more options. And I appreciate my mother so much, so much. Because when it came time for me, and she's a Chicago public school teacher, but when it came time for me to go to school, we never had a discussion about what it cost or didn't cost. Because she was like, it's going to be handled because you're going to go wherever your mind can take you. Mm. Never had a discussion. Didn't find out until years later that she, she paid for the majority of my schooling. I mean, I did, you know, with financial aid and all of that, I did get some financial aid, and I had my student loans. But she got on uh, what they, I went to the University of Pennsylvania, and she got on this extended plan. So long after I graduated, my mother was still paying, paying for school. Had no idea. I don't know how, how many years, but she, she might have, it might have taken her as long to pay that off as it took me to pay those student loans off. We might have celebrated together. I'm not sure. But my point is, she wanted to make sure I had an opportunity. And even on a Chicago public school teacher's salary, she did what she needed to do for me. She poured into my life, and that's why you have to pay them back. Amen? Empowerment. Empowerment. And you don't have to have a fancy job (laughs) in order to save and invest and build up. You don't have to have a what kind of job? Fancy job. It's like you you think that you you can't do it on what you make or what you're seeing, but I would encourage you from the word of God and Proverbs 13 and 11, it says this, dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. My Lord. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. (laughs) My grandfather, 
was a simple man, a beautiful man, a kingdom man, a godly man who graduated from eighth grade. That was it. And he moved from the south up to Chicago, and he got a job as an elevator operator at the Allstate building downtown. Elevator operator, this is when you had assistance to get in the elevator. It was, you had to announce the floor, and they had that big gate that would go back and forth, and that was his job. And, and my grandfather, in over 40 years of work, never missed a day of work, ever. Never missed a day of work. I didn't find out until I was full grown why that was, that, that, why that was so important. But when you, come on, historically, when you understand that black people could not buy homes, they could not get mortgages when they were buying homes, what they say, on contract, amen, where you have all of the responsibilities of home ownership but none of the benefits. You miss one payment and they snatch your house. This was what they did in our neighborhoods on the west side and on the south side. They would not. That's when we were redlined. They would come in. It was predatory lending and they would hope that you would, you would miss a payment. They miss a payment. You could have been paying for 12, 13, 14 years. You miss one payment. They snatched your house and then they start to process over with somebody else. You have no equity. You have So my grandfather apparently was motivated he did not want to miss a day of work because he needed to provide for his family. All right. After my grandfather passed in 1992, um, it was a couple of years later. We, uh, you know how you do when you start rummaging through your, your, you know, the house and just some different things. And this is terribly consistent with who my grandfather was. Um, they found a passbook savings account that he hadn't told anybody about. Hadn't told anybody about. And um, if you know anything about a passbook savings, they, you know, they, they give it to you, but it doesn't tell you what the, the amount is. So they had to go to the bank and find out. So they go to the bank and they look at the account. Again, simple man, eighth grade education. They look and the banker says to I guess my mom and my uncle, because they were there at the time, said, we've never, we've never seen this. There are nothing but entries every single week in this passbook savings account for the last 30-plus years, never a withdrawal. They said, well, what's the balance? It's over $200,000 in this account. And when they told me that, I cried because I said, that's my grandfather. Not making flashy, not whatever, elevator operators, salary, small amounts, but little by little, he made it grow. They had no idea. Now, that wasn't the smartest thing. They didn't tell nobody, but that's consistent with him as well. Don't worry about that because that money you're not going to see, you're not going to touch. I don't want to hear y'all talking about that money because that money is for the future. And as they are full grown and, and, and they were able to have something and he was able to pass that on in in addition to everything he passed on from his spiritual legacy, he passed that on, too, because part of your fi that financial legacy is your spiritual legacy. And what I saw in that is faith in action. Little by little, he made it grow.
So you don't have to have a fancy job. You don't have to get money in chunks. You don't have to have some super uh, financial advisor at Morgan Stanley or at Goldman Sachs, and you don't have to do all of that. You just need to be faithful, amen, and understand that in addition to uh, earnings, there is an element of empowerment that comes with work because it is a what? Family affair. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time.